I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Fends them dummy half. It's with the halfback, Williams. Williams goes himself, comes out the other side, gets it to Croker, bounces away from a would-be from De Goyf, puts a kick out wide, looking for Shander Earl, and Earl is in again. Stop it, it's starting to hurt. Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. We are back for the 2021 NRL preseason. Hope your off-season was all right. I spent mine locked in the corner of my room re-watching bloody Origin series. Uh, last year's Origin series at the end of season, buddy. Trying to work out where it all went wrong for the Blues. Still haven't worked it out, so if you've got any answers for me, Blues fans, let me know. It was pretty grim stuff, but it is good to be back talking footy again. It feels like a bloody eternity since we've been there. With me today is, as always, 2019 Supercoach champion, Desi Creek. Des, how's your off-season, mate? Yeah, going well, Timmy. Um, like most of our listeners, I'm just very, very excited to get stuck back into another season of the National Rugby League and whatever it may bring in terms of Supercoach. Um, like yourself, had a pretty chill off-season. Obviously, couldn't really do much travelling or anything like that. But yeah, enjoyed watching the Big Bash and the Test Series against India. Good stuff, mate. Uh, back into the good stuff now, not that cricket isn't the good stuff. Uh, also with us, 2019 runner-up, a bloke who will be happy with Queensland Series win, Walson Carlos. Walson, how are you, mate? Ah, uh, yeah, I'm good, Timmy. Yeah, it's um, been a good off-season, so looking forward, like Desi, to uh, the NRL coming back on. I was really excited for the direction that the Warriors were going in, but unfortunately, yeah, RTS is leaving. Um, at the end of the year, but hopefully he can put in a good year and, yeah, we've got some good signings there and, uh, yeah, the Warriors can make a bit of a climb up the ladder. Walsh, can we expect you the same as last year to start with about seven Warriors players in your team? Hayes Perham is your round one skipper? <laughs> nah, I think that's it. I think we've got a section later where it says lessons to learn and <laughs> <laughs> I might be a little bit on not becoming too emotionally attached to um, – your favourite team, so yeah, no, nah, I'll, I'll learn from those mistakes and hopefully 2021 is a bounce back year for me and Desi. Good stuff, mate. I think there's a fair chance of it. Mate, uh, form's temporary, class is permanent and new boys are going to be bouncing back this year. Uh, so what is in store for SC Playbook in 2021 in terms of NRL, our NRL content? Uh, for any non-cricket fans out there, we've been smashing the big bash the last couple of months. Uh, one more week to go of that, then we'll be into purely just NRL content. It'll be everything we had from last year and plenty more. Uh, we've got a new look website if you haven't checked it out yet. We've got more upgrades to the website to come just to make it as accessible for everyone as we can and user-friendly. 
Um, in terms of contributors, the same lot as last year. We've got Desi and Walsh, the Supercoach Spy will be back, draft expert Stevie Hevener, Quantum CEO Adam DeRussi, who does an unbelievable stat article that a lot of you would have seen last year, which is just an absolute belter. Uh, Nick Moon will be back for his his weekly wraps of a Monday morning, which is sort of a lighthearted look at the weekend that was. Uh, also adding to our NRL content this year is Michael Fisher. Fish, for those of you that aren't familiar with him, he did big bash content for us all season, was an absolute cracker. He has three top 100 finishes in NRL Supercoach, finished ninth one year, was his, his best ever. So uh, a really, really good addition to come. Uh, and then we've got a sneaky NRL player announcement to come pretty shortly, uh, but still waiting on confirmation on that one. Guys, if you are interested in our subscription package for the season, you can do that. It's $30 for the NRL for the year or $40 if you wanted to get the NRL and the Big Bash package as well going into next season. Uh, it gives you access to a stack of extra content throughout the pre-season, throughout the in-season and whatnot. So hopefully it's worthwhile for you if you are interested in that. It gives you access to our subscriber special Q&A podcast. So we had heaps and heaps of questions last year coming in uh, via social media. We really want to get to as many of them as possible on the regular podcast, but we can't do that all the time. Uh, so to ensure our subscribers that you do get your questions answered, we do that extra as well, which we'll pump out in the preseason as well as the weekly during the season. Um, if you're not interested in any of that, we do have stacks of free content as well coming out. So don't stress too much if you're not interested in subscribing in that. Fellas, on that note, let's get started on one that Walsh just mentioned, but the lessons we learned in 2020, uh, there's a lot of them, no matter where you finish in Supercoach, you always learn plenty of new things. Desi, I'll start with you because you sounded before like you had a bit to say in this one. What did you take from last season? Were there things that you won't be doing again, things you're putting more focus on in 2021? Um, where are you at, mate? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that I learned you don't need to go absolutely pod crazy if you want to win Supercoach. You can get just as far with like a fairly vanilla team, um, just not getting too tricky or fancy with your trades and sort of playing what you see instead of trying to read too far between the lines. Um, obviously, not having Tedesco was my major mistake um, last season. Um, didn't allow me to climb any ranks at all through, throughout the whole entire season. Um, so I won't be making that mistake this year. Even if he costs one million, I would have Tedesco on my starting side this year. Um, you'd, you'd have to be insane to start with anyone else when he averaged a hundred uh, through the whole season. I just don't see him slowing down at all this year. Um, I won't be trying to antipod any of the massive names. Um, I'll probably just keep my team um, fairly vanilla to stay in the title race. And I guess another takeaway for me was that you really need to look at getting premium center wings in as soon as possible. Guys like Nofo and Tor are pretty much must-haves going into the back end of the season. So I'll be looking to upgrade my center wing um, much faster than my forward pack. Um, but yeah, that can change with injuries and form. Yeah, all good points there, mate. Um, an interesting one that you touched on, which is really, really big for, for the approach to Supercoach, is that... I was with you in that I sort of thought doing like really, really well in Supercoach, finishing top 10 or whatever, you had to have a fair few pods in your side or anti-pods or whatnot. Um, but, I mean, sort of my approach last year, I was lucky enough to finish second for anyone new to it. Uh, don't worry, I've been told by the boys, $10 in the jar every time I mention that I finished second last year. So I'll be out of that quickly and I won't be too painful in that regard. But the point is, I, I don't think – 
I took a pretty safe approach. I had a few pods, particularly towards the back end of the year, but you can take a safe approach and do well in Supercoach. It's not it's not about going pod crazy as good as they are. Um, so you can be a little bit more conservative in that regard. Um, Wallace, what did you come up with, mate? Oh uh, yeah, similar to Desi, I think at the at the start, getting the obvious low risk pods. Uh, I probably skipped a couple of them. Um, I can't remember them offhand, but. There was a couple there where I went, oh, you know, I really should have got that person. And I also slipped into the trap of, you know, which you can't do, getting a bit emotional. I spoke about it earlier in the pod, you know, with my team. I thought it would possibly be a big year for the Warriors. Um, obviously, COVID hit and it, it really struck down their hopes. And then, you know, the coach got sacked and things like that. So they didn't have an ideal year. But uh, they played some good footy at the end. But by that time, uh, my side was sort of cactus in Supercoach. So I don't think you can get too invested into your favourite players or your favourite teams. Uh, also, like, even though there's some lessons to be learnt from last year, I think if I look back on when I came second to Desi the year before, it was a very, very different year because of the rule changes, because of COVID. And COVID really threw a cat amongst the pigeons for a lot of t- you know, people, you know, just ask the Broncos. They were 2-0 and and people were talking about them being a top four side and then they came back from COVID and they, you know, barely gave a yelp, to be honest. Like they, they I don't think they won many games after that and sort of the whole club went downhill. So uh, I, th- I think you can overreact a little bit um, to last year, which was a pretty strange year. I think this year's got the new rule changes, which are going to be interesting. Uh I'm not sure whether there's been any point scoring changes to Supercoach. I think it's the same, is it, Timmy? Yeah, same, same this year at the moment, mate. Yeah, so um, basically, I think you've got to treat every year on its merits, and um, it's a bit of a. I probably didn't do the research that I've done in previous years leading up to the season, and I'm hoping to remedy that this year. Complacent, mate. Uh, I wasn't complacent. It's just <laughs> like. Uh, even though I didn't get right to the top, when you scale to the top, it's sort of in the back of your brain. You're sort of thinking, I guess it's going to be really, really tough to do it again. It's a bit like um, I make the analogy of of someone winning the World Series of Poker or something like that, you know, the main event that they go to. Mm. If there's any poker fans out there that watch it, like even though, you know, you could be a really good poker player or you could be really good at super coach there's so much luck involved with it that um it's it's hard to believe that people can scale like the same heights you know year after year but it uh, i think you mentioned one of the boys that's going to be on later he made the top 100 three times uh in his in his super coach career that's that's phenomenal that's a great effort yeah, crazy numbers, mate, and and really a couple of really good things you you brought up there. I mean, the first one is going back to back. If you are a winner or someone who's done quite well, it's mate. We've seen the Roosters were the first team since what the Broncos in ninety two, ninety three to go back to back in uh in the actual NRL. Same deal in Supercoach, hard work. But mate, the one that stood out to me was talking about uh, the fact that last year was COVID affected. It was a shortened season. Uh, there were new rules that came in, which will obviously flow on into the twenty twenty one season. Uh, but no buy period in the middle of the year, um, no sort of rep footy mid-year. So there was no, there was no buy planning. So, I mean, it, it's 
and it's a good point because we'll we'll bring it up in one of our later preseason podcasts, but we'll have a segment dedicated um, to traps not to fall into based on what happened last year. We've got to revert back to the the twenty twenty season or twenty nineteen season, should I say, um, and and look at the rules, not the rules there, but the way the format of the comp was. Because whilst I think it'd be pretty easy to get stuck in a few traps from last year. I think so, you know, and I think uh, even though Bet, uh, Desi and, and yourself, Timmy, you mentioned the fact that you can, it, it is good to go vanilla at the start. You know, I think there's every chance that, you know, the start, is the start of the year this year that, you know, that might that may not pay off. So, you know, I mean, I'm, I've always been one for the pods and, and that, but I think you've got to, you've got to really get your cheapies right, the ones that, earn a lot of money for you or they start as cheapies and they turn into pods. You know, you ha- Harry Grant was an obvious one that everyone jumped on. That was sort of mid-season. But there's usually four to five of them um, and some of them are in, uh, are in the backs and getting those centre wing cheapies right at the start is is critical or being able to get them in in the first two to three weeks. For sure, mate. I mean, last year, the ones off the top of the head were obviously Jerome Luai, massive, um, Kurt Mann, massive, guys that started at under 300K and effectively became season-long keepers. Not saying they were genuine guns or Kurt Mann was at centre wing, um, but just if you nail them guys early, even if they do cost you know 250 to 300K, um, just really, really important but hard to do. Um, a couple of things that I, I took note of from last year that I learnt, the biggest one was and it probably sounds a little bit obvious to say it, but under the new rules with the quicker rack, uh, we had bigger blowout score lines. Teams, once they were gassed and conceded two or three quick tries and quick line breaks, they couldn't wrestle momentum back in games. So we had these massive blowout score lines, which just set the super coach platform for guys like Teddy, Turbo, Ponga, Cleary to bust out these really, really big scores, um, more so than any other year that we've had in super coach and in the NRL. Uh, as I said, we've got the same rules this year, so the same things are going to keep happening. So basically, the, the lesson that I learned that, that I got pretty fortunate with last year was just you can't afford to wait one more week on guys who can get these 150, 200-plus scores. Um, Desi spoke about waiting for, for Teddy to drop in value last year, and it just didn't happen. I mean, Nofaloom is a guy who probably doesn't have that same ceiling as those boys, but he never dropped in value. Um you know, if you've got someone like Teddy who's playing against the Titans who might be battling, he's got a break even of 150 and you say, all right, I'll wait one more week. You know, that week he could score 200, get 400 as a skipper. If you don't have him, you can, you know, just about put a line through yourself. So, mate, just getting those guns as quickly as you can. Easier a few weeks into the year. You can't start with every gun, but just making it happen as quickly, quickly as possible. Um, and just the only other sort of main thing that I learned that Desi actually touched on as well, and, and I had the exact same thought, uh, I started a little bit slower last year off the back of my center wing cheapies playing in my 17s, getting some trash scores. There might have been some sort of 10 to 20-point scores, which happens to me most years. Um, I'm a little bit more tempted this year, you know, based on how the cheapy scene has come round one, um, but just to, to spend a little bit more money on the more premium centre wings, not four of them or five of them, but maybe one or two in the centre wing just to lock down some more consistent scoring. So just a few things from me. But, uh, yeah, anyway, keen to get your thoughts as well on what you guys all learnt from last year. Um, so tweet us or Facebook comment us or whatever, and we'll go from there. Um, the main part of today's show, we're just going to be going through squad previews uh, at the Panthers, the Raiders and the Rabbitohs. Um, the players have interested each club, who we like, who we don't like, uh, what our thoughts are on those. 
uh, and then we'll wrap it after that. Up after that, we'll start at the Penny Panthers, last year's grand finalist. Um, Des, I'll start with you, mate. And I mean, I went through their squad preview the other day in an article. There is some serious super coach talent here. Um, a lot of tough decisions to make. I'll start with the back line and I'll start with the wingers in Brian Toto and Charlie Staines. Staines is 297K. He only played two games last year but averaged 112. Looks a good go. He'll fill in on Josh Mansour's edge there. He's going to be on the right wing outside Brent Naden or Tyrone May or whoever plays centre there. And Toto will move over to the left outside Stephen Crichton. Desi, do you like Toto or Staines? Yeah, I like them both. I mean... At 297k, he does seem good value, but you could also make the argument that it's a slightly awkward price because he did have those two massive scores. But we know he has um, really good ability to find the try line, and that's exactly what you need in the center wing early in the season if you want to stay competitive. So I'll likely be starting with him. Um, Brian Tor and Stephen Crichton, they're in the same boat for me. Probably a little too expensive to start with, but I'll definitely look to ship them in. Um, at least one of them or both of them into my team over the first six or seven weeks of the year, um, just because they're so damaging um, if you don't own them. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll take the chat back to uh, Nathan Cleary, my man. Uh, I, think, I think he's borderline set and forget um, player alongside Tedesco this year for me. Um, after what we saw last season, the Panthers are just so explosive and when he's directing them around the field, I just don't see him scoring any lower than he did last year. He may even go up an average. Um, mm. So, yeah, he's definitely the apex halfback again this this year. I'm setting and forgetting Nathan Cleary. Yeah, nice, mate. You, you called it last year. He was going to average something astronomical, and he did. So well played on that one. Um, whilst back to Brian Toto and Charlie Staines, Toto's 522K. Um, are they guys that interest you? Yeah, yeah, there's some interest there. I mean, Charlie Staines is obviously the more attractive one because you've seen a really small sample size, but he, he looked really good. He looked fast, you know what I mean? And the thing about the Penrith Panthers is the way they play is they strip teams shorter numbers. And and I've I seen a game, I think he scored four tries. If you get against the right team and, you know, the right winger or the wrong winger for that team, but you, you know, he could put on, you know, doubles, trebles, you know, he, he's shown that he's got that ability because he's got finishing ability. It's going to be interesting. Toto, you know, I guess, have you got some inside information there, Timmy, that uh, Charlie Staines will play right side or? Mate, I've, off the top of my head, I don't know where I got it from, but I've read it. I've read it on multiple occasions, so yeah, I'm under the impression yeah. that he is. But now that you mention it, yeah, whether or not that's verified or not, but I believe he uh, is. I, like I just, I just know that um, he's a great right side winger, uh, Brian Toto. So, but in saying that, you know, the the plus side of it is he's more likely to have those carries coming out the right side of the ruck um, if he gets the ball down there, and then he's got his big right foot step. But yeah, I just think of some of the great finishes he's done on that right hand side, the one handed dives in the corner, and I thought he might have some seniority there. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, both are, uh, are pretty interesting. Like Des said, uh, you're going to have to pay a premium price for Cleary, but he's he's almost in that Tedesco category. You, you can't not have him. Yeah, good shouts, mate. Yeah, uh, Ty for me, 
when I talk about looking at getting some premium center wings, uh, I'm not looking top, top dollar in terms of 600K, but Toto at 522 is based on an average of 58.9 last year. Uh, I'm a big chance of starting with him this season, particularly if he's on that left edge. 32 in base per game, uh, averages five and a half tackle bus per game, which is massive. He's playing in a gun Panthers side, that left edge. Jerome Luai last year was just got better and better and better. Uh, and there's a lot of people worried about him playing outside Stephen Crichton because they're saying he's a super coach killer for wingers. He was at the start of the year because he was such a rookie that people didn't realize how good he was. He carved him up. He was scoring every week. And then wingers started to jam him. They put more defensive pressure on him. Uh, and it'd be a simple tip on for him or Luai just cut him out because the winger would draw in. Uh, and Mantor was just crossing. I think Mantor had seven tries in his last six games of the season. Um, so I love Toto on that left edge. So Toto for me, massive, massive play. Um, and Charlie Staines, again, at 297K, playing on the wing for the Panthers looks a good call. Uh, and I'm with you, fellas. Nathan Cleary, I mean, he's pretty much a lock uh, because there's not a lot of depth at halfback this year. So I think Cleary, yeah, you, you're a brave man to go against him. Desi, Jerome Luai, any interest in him? Not particularly. Um, he's a great player. Has the massive ceiling, which is what you need. He's... He he would be a good pod to start with, but f- for me, I think I'm just going to stick with either Walker or Munster, most likely Munster. But yeah, you could definitely slot him in if you wanted to stack your halves, but I think there's better options of 5 hmm. Uh Whilst, and I mean, probably the thing to note here as well is that, I mean, we'll get to him when, when we do the ch- Sharks and talk about him in, in depth, but I know Matty Moylan's at some stupid price this year, about 240K because of all his injuries last year. So, look, you'll be a brave person to go against having Matty Moylan as your reserve 5'8", which basically leaves just one 5'8 spot to play with. Uh, but whilst uh, Luai finished the year, last 10 games, averaged 73 points per game, would he be a guy that you consider as a pod or not? Not really. Uh, personally, I'm not really attracted to his game style. It doesn't sort of engender any faith in me that he's going to get consistent scores. Uh, I like my 5.8s to be, uh, I guess, running player. He is a running player as such, but he's fairly erratic. I, I, I sort of question whether he's able, to, he's, he's able to have the same NRL productivity and Supercoach productivity next year. It's sort of like that second-year syndrome. I know that he has actually been around for a lot longer than that, but mm. on the fringes, but I feel like um, he's going to get shut down a bit more. I, I'm actually not overly high on Penrith. I think I think they're definitely a top eight side. But I think they probably missed a great opportunity there to win that grand final and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they come out this year. They're obviously a young side, and they've got some good depths in in the in the uh, depth in the backs and also in the forwards. But I don't know if they've got stronger. If that makes sense, I think I think they've had to let a few players go, and I think that might hurt their depth a little bit. So I'd be happy to sit out of Jerome Luai, and when it comes to their forward pack, it's just too cluttered for me to get involved this year and. You know, players like Yo, no Jewel, he's got no um, – I don't think he's uh, available in the centre wing this year. It's just a back rower, so uh, I don't really want a bar of him either. Whilst you've said that you, you think Penrith – you're one of probably the few people I've seen that uh, have said Penrith are, are likely to regress this year, be strong but regress. 
Does that put you off, um, guys who spoke about like Toto and Staines and the next bloke that we need to talk about, it's Stephen Crichton, who's priced at 484 so pretty cheap, uh, based on an average of 54 last year, scored 15 tries in 19 games. Mate, does that put you off the outside backs at Penrith because you think they've peaked? Uh, and also thoughts on Stephen Crichton? I think it's draw dependent. You know, I'd have to get in and have a real hard look at the draw, and I know that uh, we do some articles leading up to the year on that type of thing. But because I think, because I, th- I know Penrith are capable of putting some scores on teams, and you know, if they run into a side that's possibly not that strong this year, like a St George, or yeah, I'm not sure about the West Tigers. Yeah, they could put s- scores on, but I'll, I like I don't look at a Crichton or Toto and go, I'm going to lock them into my team for the year. I, I tend to look at uh, the centre wings like a Latrell Mitchell is a player that I want to finish the season with because I think he's going to take a bit of a while, a bit of a while to get going, and then he'll come good at the back end of the year. So those premium priced centre wings. Um, Latrell's not a centre wing though; he's fullback only. Is, is no, he fullback? Is he? Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, sorry, I didn't know that. Well, that makes a bit of a difference, but that makes it harder to get him, really, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, all good, mate. Um, on to – oh, Dazzy, just quickly, yes or no, Stephen Crichton? Uh, no, and to Yo as well. No, I just think he probably won't maintain the form and consistency we saw from him last year. And without the dual status, he's only going to be averaging 65-ish, probably not keeper range. Yeah, uh, I'm a no to Isaiah Yo as well. I'm not against him. I mean, he, he's extremely consistent. Uh, he had 58 in base per game last year. Ken Jarrett, the attacking stat here and there. But if you look at the numbers, he was immense last year as a centre wing, but he was only the seventh highest averaging second row forward in the game. Probably doesn't have the ceiling of a couple of other options in the back row. So, yeah, a bit of a question mark there on Isaiah Yo. Um, one that does take my interest that I'm strongly considering, uh, I mean, the hooking rotation and super coach picks so dependent on what Cam Smith ends up doing uh, with his future, whether he jumps clubs or retires or stays at the Storm. I don't have a clue what's going to happen. Um, but based on what we know now, let's say Cam Smith staying at the Storm, Appy Coruscant, Walsh, uh, I quite like him. Based on a 66 average, he's priced at 587k. He's a fair bit cheaper than Smith, Grant, Damian Cook, Cam McInnes. Um, provided he starts the year as an 80-minute hooker, is he a guy that, that takes your interest or is he a bit overpriced? Yeah, sure. You know, he, I'm interested in Appy. I like watching him play. He's got good super coach output and he revels on the back of those quick play of the balls. I think yeah, the rule changes will also suit Penrith because they're fast and that, and that probably contradicts my, my previous statement. But, like, those where the, there's less scrums and things like that, that's going to – advantage the younger, fitter uh, Penrith side and they roll the ruck up the middle, particularly off of the back of Isaiah Yo. So Coruscant is capable. He's probably not got the same ceiling as Damian Cook or previously a Cam Smith. I, I think Cam Smith is a big chance of playing uh, at some stage during the year. I don't think he'll start the year, but you know, I think he'll, he, you know, he might be sort of someone gets a serious injury and they put in for salary cap relief or they're able yeah. to Cam Smith. That's I, I think that'll happen. I think that's a big chance of happening. Cam Smith comes in on a $1 contract and plays <laughs> the last 13 rounds for the Storm. <laughs> I think he'll yeah. retire. Oh, God. I think he's gone. Well, 
Well, get your bold predictions in because people are going to be listening to this podcast for the next six weeks, and they'll probably he'll probably announce it tomorrow. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, just on Appy, I'm I'm a bit of a fan. I think when I think of Appy, I think of a guy who probably relies a little bit more on attacking stats than other hookers who are better with base stats. Not exactly true. He averaged fifty two in base last year, which is pretty serious numbers. In 14 games of over 70 minutes last year, there were a few games in the back end of the year where he played 60, 61 minutes sort of thing. Um, 14 games of 70 minutes or more, he didn't score below 50, uh, but he also didn't score over 100. So he's a pretty consistent hooker there. Probably doesn't have the ceiling of, as you said, an 80-minute Cam Smith or Damian Cook, but you know, it could be a little stepping stone to those guys, You know, even to say 50 to 100K. Desi, do you like Appy? Yeah, I like him, but I'm not going to start with him. Um, I'm pretty pretty certain that I'm not going to start with him. Um, I just think Cook or Grant is the better option for mine. I think if if Grant does get the 80 minutes, he'll be locked in by 70% of teams, and you'd be you'd be mad not to. And I just don't think Appy as a pod is going to outscore him. It's as simple as that, and they're similar prices, so it's just not worth it. I don't think. Yeah. Fair play to you, mate. Uh, before we move on from the Panthers, Walsh, any last words on them or all sorted? No, I think it's going to be interesting. I like to watch the trials. Like, I could be totally wrong, but, I mean, it's easy to back a side to regress when they came second than, you know, if they were further down the ladder. So they, they can only, the only way, uh, only one they can go better is to win it. And I'm not sure I like them to win the comp. So it'll be interesting. Like, the, some of the rule changes do do suit them a lot, but... I think their list is is skinnier than what it has been like last year. Yeah. Desi, anything to add at the Panthers or have we covered everyone that you're interested in? No, I think we've covered it all. Goody, mate. Let's move on to the mighty green machine, the men from the nation's capital. They're bad and mean. We bloody love the Canberra Raiders. Uh, starting at that, I went through the team analysis of the Raiders the other day. There are so many fallen guns in this side that, that – piqued my interest at cheap prices, uh, which is a funny thing to say about a team who, you know, made the preliminary final last year. They were grand finalists the year before. Generally, these guys in Supercoach should be peaking. Um, but there's a few in there who, who are a little bit interesting. Um, Desi, start with the wingers, and that's Bailey Simonton, Jordan Rapana. Bailey Simonton is at 205K based on an average of 23 last year. He only played six games due to injury, averaged 59 minutes per game. In his four game, four eighty minute games, scores of twenty six, fifty three, nineteen, and forty four, made at two hundred and five k. Bailey Simonson would be pretty hard to pass up, you reckon? Yeah, I think he's nearly a must have um, on your bench for round one, um, just as a potential massive money making asset um, over that like critical first month or so of the competition. Um, he definitely has the ability to go huge if he gets lucky, and they play to his side of the field. Um, but yeah, I, I think a lot of people will start with him and he definitely passes the eye test and can uh, bust tackles. He got a bit unlucky last season, I think. Will he definitely start, boys? Will he definitely be in the starting side? Because having a look at uh, that that Canberra squad, Albert Hopawate sort of stands out to me. He might be a chance of pushing for a spot there too. Yeah, not locked in, mate. It's um, There are a few options. I, I know Adam Cook, uh, he played like, a few minutes at fullback in that that Sharks game where both sides rested a lot of players last year. He's been really impressive in preseason uh, at fullback. He's probably not for round one, but he's a chance at sneaking into that side somewhere. 
as you said, there's Albert Hopawade. There are a few options. Um, so there's got Matt Tomoko there, who's pretty handy as well when he got his opportunity last year. So not locked in Simonson, but I mean, provided he starts round one, hard to pass up at that price. And I'll I'll give you my quick thoughts on Jordan Rapana before we get to him because. I think it may sway your opinion a little bit. Um, last year, Geordie came back and just looked off the mark from the second he returned from that Japanese rugby stint. Um, average 41 means he's only priced at 370k this year. A little bit awkwardly priced because he, you know, he, he's a little bit expensive for what he produced last year. But we know he's been an absolute super coach gun of the past. 65 and 71 averages in 2016-17. He was so underdone the entire of last season. He went over to Japanese rugby, didn't play a game because of COVID, came back, had a bit of a spell, then signed with the Raiders uh, during the COVID break. That was two months. He then eventually came back and would have got his first game in the start of July or something. Um, he's still only about 30 years old, rapper. We know what he can do. Des, any interest in rapper at 370? Or, or more importantly, do you think he's done as a super coach force? I think so, yeah. I think he's I think he's nearly thirty two actually. He's he's pushing thirty two, so yeah, right. I think he's just a bit too old for a winger now. Um yeah, he's he definitely lost a bit of his tackle bust ability. I called him as a big pod to bring in last year, but he never he never delivered and I just don't think he's gonna deliver this season either. What do you reckon, Wiles? Ah uh, yeah, it's a pass for me. Jeez, no love for Geordie Rapano. I hope he comes out and starts here with three tons, but in saying that, he's a he's a pass for me as well. But I'm just saying, I do think he was seriously underdone last year, and it wouldn't shock me to come see him come back and average fifty plus this year. Um, but again, probably not one you need to risk starting with at that price, um, fellas. Jared Croker, you did a pretty similar argument in the case that you know he could be a former gun of the past. Average forty three point eight last year, very disappointing. It does mean he starts at three hundred eighty eight k. Um, he's a very super, consistent Supercoach scorer. He's a sharpshooter with the boot. The four seasons prior to last year averaged 53, 54, 55, 72. Uh, Desi, is Croak a guy that you could see picking up from round one, earning you 100, 110K, and then selling to a premium gun? Or do you think he's just a little bit um, overpriced to consider at 388K? I'd. Yeah, I'd consider starting Croker over someone like Rapana, that's for sure. Um, even though he has lost his speed and strength, uh, he still remains viable, I think, with the goal kicking at 388k. So I'm definitely going to have a, a long, hard think about getting him in for round one. But at this stage, I don't have him. Yeah, I'm a bit with you, mate. He, um, I'm strongly considering him. Probably won't go with him, but he only scored five tries in 19 games last year and had three try assists. I guarantee if he stays fit, he will have probably double both of those tallies at very least, definitely the try assist. Um, so I think it's only there's only upside in Jared Croker in terms of being a bit of a mid-range cow before selling. Wallace, what do you reckon? Uh, no, I, I don't think I could have him. Um, just the same reasons with Rapana. He's, he's sort of getting older now. And also game plan, like Canberra don't seem – to really reward their outside backs that much. They're a funny team like that. They're very forward orientated and yeah, a lot of scores will come around. They do their halves get pretty good scores at times, you know, Williams and Whiten. But uh when I look at the Canberra list, they, I think they're a side that has got stronger. Like they have got genuinely thirteen or fourteen blokes in their in their squad that could easily play 
uh, in the A grade forward pack. Like that, they they have got legitimate depth in the forward pack, which makes it hard to pick anyone in the forward pack as well. It does, mate. I'm glad you touched on that because there's serious depth in the Raiders squad, um, which it, it probably doesn't help Supercoach credentials uh, too much. Um, whilst on the Canberra Harbs, my, my thoughts on the back line, you're right. In yesteryear when Jordi Rapana and BJ Leilua were, were carving up and scoring massive, massive Supercoach points, they were a side who had their strike on the, on the flanks. They would just hit these guys early and they would absolutely carve up. Jared Croker was in the peak of his career. This is only going sort of two, three years back. Now they brought Georgie Williams in, who was outstanding last year and sort of broke that curse of pommy halves to, to fail down under. Um, George is only going to get better and better. And as that happens, Jackie Whiten is also developing every year as a 5'8". I think the combinations between the spine, you'll remember as well, Joshy Hodgson did his ACL last year. So the spine didn't spend a lot of time together. They have another full preseason behind each other. I think this is only going to help the outside backs, a.k.a. Simonson, Rapper, Jaron Croker. So I think there's improvement in all of these guys. But whilst would you consider George Williams or Jack White in the halves? Yeah, I'm happy to look at them, to be honest, because Canberra's a side that I think Will improve, definitely improve. They're also a side that you can sit on them for a couple of weeks as well. They're they're not a side that traditionally starts really fast. Like they're a bit they're a bit in the roosters mold. Like they can take a couple of weeks to get going before they build into the season. Uh, so you can sit on these players and have them earmarked, and then possibly bring them in at a lower price. Uh, so yeah, I, I, but George Williams for me is is one that I'm really interested in. Jack White, and I think if you're looking at getting Jack White, and you've got to get him when he goes on a run, and it's all it's it's a bit hard to time when exactly that is. I think so. What do you boys think of um, Ryan James? Do you think he'll get a run? For- well, the. The news of Corey Harawira and Naira being charged with high-range DUI will help him a lot because, again, at the time of recording this podcast, there's no word on his punishment or whatever, but historically you'd think he'll probably miss at least a few rounds. Mate, I think Ryan James is just a massive watch. He didn't play a game last year. He's had a lot of injuries the last couple of years, so I don't think we know. We're just going to have to see how he goes in the preseason trials. On pedigree alone, he'll be in this side on the bench, but... You know, we know how hard it is for players to come back from ACL injuries, particularly big fellas. So, mate, I think he probably, now that CHN's gone, that'll open up a bench spot. Uh, he's also versatile, can play on the edge, can play in the middle. So, I mean, at 236K, let's hope he does. But regardless, I just don't know where the minutes are going to come from in this pack. What do you reckon, Des? Yeah, I mean, anyone who's played Supercoach for more than a few, year, uh, a few years knows that Ryan James is like, he's an asset. Uh, he has a high work rate. Um, if he can jag some minutes, he'll make solid money. It's as simple as that. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely just a wait and see um, for me. Yeah. And, Des, any interest in Georgie Williams or Jack Whiten? Uh, not for me, unfortunately. I just don't think they, they're up to the level of some of the other players um, in some of the other teams that you can have in those positions. They're, they're really sought-after positions, the 5'8 and the halfback and supercoach. So I just don't think there's a – a place for them. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. Um, really, really interesting one who is going to be hard to ignore at the price. English international hooker Josh Hodgson, 374K, based on an average of 42 last season. Obviously had that ACL injury. 
Um, you know, in the past, he's averaged 54-63, 54-62. Uh, based on my rough calculations, which are probably trash, if you can average around 50 points per game this year, that's only a little rise and nothing for, for what we've seen from Hodjo in the past. That's a 100K price rise. Um, boys, it'll obviously – his super coach selection will depend on the round one team and what Ricky Stewart does. Uh, if he goes with, say, utility on the bench – uh, and it looks like Hodjo's going to play 80 minutes. Really hard to ignore. If Tommy Starling's there in 14, it might suggest that he's going to be eased back into the season. But even so, at 370K, whilst Joshy Hodgson's got to be a pretty strong consideration. Oh, I think you've got to consider him. But I've never been overly high on Hodgson. I brought him in oh, maybe might have been three or four years ago now. And I just don't feel like he has that consistent output. He doesn't. He doesn't necessarily have a high tackle rate like the hookers that, you know, Cook, Smith, uh, Appy Coruscant. It, it can vary from game to game. And he does have some uh, – he had he, he obviously had a lot of attacking stats there for a while when uh, the, the halves were somewhat struggling at Canberra. But I feel like last year they really established themselves and the halves would probably be taken more off him so I'm actually despite the price I'm probably going to give Josh Hodgson a miss I think mm, it's an interesting one mate because I I mean I'm with you I've never rated Hodjo as a super coach player in the sense that he was among that gun class of super coaches and there was a time you know two years ago he's not that old Hodjo still looks class although he's coming back from injury where you know people were picking him over Cam Smith and Damian Cook for small periods. I'm not saying for a whole season, but um, he was genuinely in that argument. And I never rated him compared to any of them. But now at that price, Desi, mate, he, he looks hard to ignore. Yeah, I mean, he might make money, but I think there's better positions that you can make money in than Hooker. It's as simple as that at the end of the day. Um, mm. I think Papali's in the same boat. They're, they're exceptional pods to start the year, but I'm just going to play a bit more vanilla, I think. So I'll be passing on both of them at their respective prices, even even though they probably will make money. I just think there's better positions to make money. There you go. No love for Josh Hodgson. Uh, there's a big chance he'll be in my side to start the year. But again, let's wait and see what happens with Cam Smith, Harry Grant, all this sort of stuff that still has to play out. But um, seriously, I think the key to last year, I mean, whilst touched on the, the cheapies that you had to nail who became close to season-long keepers, but there are so many good mid mid ranges around that three to four hundred k mark who who rose in one hundred one hundred and fifty k and became pretty close to, to genuine season long keepers. And I see Hodjo, you won't be a season long keeper. I think he's the perfect stepping stone to Cook, Smith, Grant, any of these gun hooker options in sort of say around five or six. Uh, but we'll see how the season preseason plays out. Uh, and a big watch on that round one team of Ricky Stewart, fellas. We'll digress from our squad previews very briefly. One thing we're going to talk about a lot this season on the podcast is antipods because I think it's an underutilized part of the game. When we talk about antipods, we talk about the high ownership guys and popular guys that everyone has uh, and you say, no, I'm going to look for a point of difference and not trade them in. That might be James Tedesco who's owned by 80% of Supercoach and you say, no, I'm going going against him. Uh, you can do this from a skipper perspective, a cheapy perspective, lots and lots of different ways. And I think it's a vital part of Supercoach. It's a little bit hard because we're so early in the preseason. But, Des, I'll start with you. Is there any antipods that you're looking at for the season that, that you're going to be avoiding? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of approach this as do they have a massive ceiling or are they just really consistent? And I think Payne Haas may be the one to antipod this season. There's sort of rumours surrounding him getting lower minutes at the Broncos to sort of preserve him a bit. But, yeah, I'm, I'm still on the cautious side of that one. Uh, you've got to tread very carefully when it comes to Payne Haas because we know that he can explode. Um, but we didn't really see too much of his ceiling last year. Um, he can go 100-plus, but I'm just not sure he will. But on those lower minutes, we could see more attacking stats. But, yeah, he's he's the one that I'm likely going to antipod. Yeah, it's an interesting point you make because he, I mean, lowest score all last year was 54 points, which shows just ridiculous consistency. No tons, but, I mean, at the same time, he's a front roller, so we don't really expect tons from front rollers. He did have a 97, uh, one, two, he had five 80s in there. From round, round one to five last season, all his scores were between 74 and 82. Four of them were in the 80s. That's when he started playing those big, big minutes. Um, whilst do you like the antipod Haas idea or is he just a set and forget in front row? Oh, I think it's a consideration. I'm not very high on the Broncos. I'm not sure that, you know, Kevin Walters will be the panacea to fix all their problems. I think they've got deeper problems there, but... Uh, I guess they're starting off pretty low, so the only way they can go is up. But, uh, yeah, I just feel like, you know, a few things culturally coming out of there just doesn't seem like they've had that massive change that that you need uh, when a club goes through what they went through. So, But Payne Haskell, he's a consistent contributor, so uh, I think he's going to be there and thereabouts. But I, I, I don't know if he'll get those premium attacking stats that he probably did two years ago. So, um, And if Walter's plan is to play him 60 minutes, then, yeah, it's going to be interesting. He might get more tackle breaks. It's 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 really hard to say until you see how the Broncos sort of come out, but I'm not high on the Bronx at all. Yeah, that's fair, mate. Uh, really, really interesting one. And I suppose the big thing about that is it'll come down to – uh, I mean, the depth in the front row. I mean, last year there wasn't a lot of depth for round one. So this year we're going to have to look at the options, look at the cheapies available. Um, and, and if there isn't a lot of options, I think you'll have to have Payne Haas. Uh, but again, that that minutes watch ahead of round one and what Kevin Walters has to say will be really important for that. Whilst any antipod moves for you. I'm just looking at the ownership and the only one really in the top 10 that I probably wouldn't look to get is... Um, Tom Trebojevic. Uh, mm. so, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd start with him just given his injury history and things like that. I know he's sort of a bit of a hit and miss player. Like if you if you don't get him, he kills you. And if you do get him, he ends up killing you with injury. So it's it's a really hard one. But I don't think I'll start with Tom Trebojevic. So at 40, just under 40% ownership, I, I think he'd probably be the one there. Mate, that's a huge antipod. Uh, Tommy Turbo, uh, I'll be watching NRL Physio's Twitter account like a hawk for information on on Tommy Turbo in the preseason, what the great man has to say. But seriously, Tommy Turbo, what I think he's about, he's about 590K this year, isn't he, because of all his injuries he had last season. Um, yeah, I, I'm really keen on Tommy Turbo. Des, you're a Manly fan. There you are, $593,000. Des, are you going to have Tommy to start the year? Yeah, of course I am. I think Walsh is completely out of his mind and he'll have Tommy Turbo by the time round one starts. I yeah, I might. I might. I didn't realise he was that cheap on the price. But yeah, he's so cheap. In, in saying that, 
I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. He just doesn't sit well with me. I've not. I've not played a lot of Super Coach where I've had him in my side. So, um, and last year I reacted and got him in after certain things. But yeah, and I have him. I have like from time to time. But it's something that just doesn't sit well with him having him in my side. But surely, you know, surely he's going to get past these hamstring injuries at some stage. You'd hope for for his sake, mate. The one thing I will give you is that when we're looking at antipods. Injuries are, the, are one of the keys to looking at antipods. Um, guys that are injury prone have had a lot in the past. You know, you spend 600K on Tommy Turbo and he does his hammy 10 minutes into the first round. That's a huge chunk that people have to replace out of their cap. Um, takes a few trades to get them out, get them back in later. So, I mean, he fits the bill, huge ownership. So, I mean, there's a decent argument there. Um, but, yeah, I'll be I'll be Tommy Turboing for sure at that sort of price. Do you um, think everyone will just be Tommy Turbo and Teddy? Um. Possibly. Uh, I think at the start of every preseason, you look at these guns like Clearies and Teddies and whatnot, and then the more and more people fiddle with their teams and like mid-ranges and just want to squeeze in that that one more three or 400K bloke instead of a, a garbage cheapy option, they look at the option of dropping someone like Teddy or Cleary or Tommy Turbo to free up all this cash. It happens every preseason. I know I'm guilty of it. Um, so I don't see why it won't happen again this year, Wells. Um, moving on. Oh, sorry. My just quick antipod. I've got again. W- when we look more, when teams start to settle and preseason teams start to settle, this would be a lot easier. But uh, I go on record of saying this every year, and I won't be spending over five hundred and fifty k on any of them premium centre wing options for the year. I did say I want to get some stronger centre wings like Toto at sort of five twenty k, but I just can't justify spending that big, big premium dollars on centre wings. Uh, it's worked for me most years. It almost worked for me last year, except for Nofaluma, who who Walsh started with from round one and just never, never dropped in price, which blew my mind with how good he was. So Walsh absolutely nailed that, but I can't be going any center wings over 550K. So that's Nofaluma, BMOS, Joshy Mansour, Zach Lomax, Daniel Tupu. Um, at this stage, will not be coming anywhere near my team. Moving on to our last team or squad preview, and that is the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Another team chock full of Supercoach options. Um, seriously, this could take days going through the bunnies. Um, fellas, uh, I'm Desi and Walsh. I'm going to assume we're, we're putting a line through Latrell Mitchell to start the year at very least now that he's only at fullback. Des? I mean, at 524K, he's definitely still an, an intriguing player to have in and about your, around your team. Um, you can never really feel safe with him or without him, which makes him one hell of a talking point, but yeah, if he if he does manage to hit his straps, he could burn you. Um, but yeah, the, the same argument could be made if you do have him. He flops, you're out of contention. He's just not as good as Teddy Turbo or Puppy. They're well ahead of him in that fullback position. So I mean, he does, he does deserve a bit of a cider, but definitely don't start with him. Yeah, mate. They I would never put a line through Latrell Mitchell. I think for round one, I will. I mean, but as as far as the year goes, it looks like a lock that you have sort of. Um, Ponga, Tommy Turbo, Teddy, these guys, and he won't surpass them. I don't think he will, but, again, you'd be a brave man to put a line through Latrell when we know what he's capable of. Um, so get a load of this. The Bunnies' back line last year, obviously Josh Mansell was at the Panthers, but Mansell averaged 67, Campbell Graham 61, Dane Gagai 56, Alex Johnson 56, 
that is some serious numbers in the back line. Waltz, is there anyone there who piques your interest? And I suppose the big one on the radar would be Josh Mansour on the back of his big year. Yeah, I, I've read a bit about Josh Mansour and how people are really high on him. Personally, I'm sort of uh, I'm on the fence at the moment, but I'm leaning towards not having him because similar to what you said, I really liked uh, – what Nofo was going to do. He was in a weak team and I, I felt like he was going to dominate. He was going to get the base points, get the carries, and I felt like West Tigers were going to go in and try and play an attacking brand of footy and get him the ball, which is basically uh, how it played out, I think. so. But with the Rabbitohs, I, I can get the where people are saying the game plan where he'll get a lot of carries back to take Latrell out of that first uh, carry back, um, a bit like Matty Bowen used to dish off and that, but I just, I just can't see. I'm, I'm not, I'm not really high on Mansoor. I think Penrith let him go for a reason, and um, I think he's probably on the decline. Um, not to say that he couldn't have a good year, but I wouldn't be paying that sort of money for him. Yeah, I mean, his his stats are mental. Thirty five base per game. He's always been the the base stat beast in NRL Supercoach. Also had 71 tackle bars, 16 offloads, four try assists, which is serious numbers. But I think the big issue for Mantor is, yeah, A, that the Rabbitohs are chock full of strike weapons. They can score anywhere across the park. But he played on the left at the Panthers. I expect him to play on the right at the Rabbitohs, which is their certainly their weaker edge, although it did get better towards the end of last year off the back of Cody Walker. Um, but I think you want to be targeting the left edge Rabbitohs players. Desi, do any of those back four interest you? No, they don't. I actually, for the first time in my Supercoach history, I'm starting with zero South Sydney players. Um, I'm I'm pretty sold on it. I I just think at 594k, Mansour is just too expensive for a player at a new club. Yet to really see how he combines with the players inside him yet as well. Um, Yeah, I just, I I can't go there. There's better options, I think. I do think it's worth touching on Campbell Graham. Uh, he's a guy, I'm not going to start with him, but his number last year, he really flew under the radar, I think. His base stats last year were 37 per game, which is even better than Josh Mansour. I don't know if there's maybe Noffa, I haven't checked, but I'd be surprised if there was a backline player, a winger or a centre, should I say, who had better base than, than Campbell Graham last year. Also scored 13 tries. He had He switched from the left and the right with Gagai for a period last season when he was permanently back on that left edge outside Cody Walker last year for the end of the season. He scored 10 tries in his last seven games. He had 53 tackle breaks to go with it last year. Um, averaged 14 runs, 16 tackles a game. Oh, Again, I won't start with Campbell Graham, but he could go into – well, he went into the Supercoach gun category last year as a centre wing. So, I mean, don't be surprised to see him feature at all and maybe a pod to start the year. Just a thought. Um, massive, massive one, guys. Special shout-out to Cody Walker for saving my bacon last year with 203 in the final game of the season, uh, Supercoach game of the regular season that was for the Bunnies. The problem with that score was that he ended up averaging 74 points. Had he not scored that and take out that game, he would have averaged 66, which means he would have been priced about 60K less to start this year. So he's at 656K. Uh, whilst Cody Walker for round one, are you willing to fork out that f- price for him and can he continue the form from the end of last year? Uh, no, I'm not willing to fork it out for Cody Walker, but I think um, 
he's a different proposition to what he's been the last couple of years. He's certainly a lot more consistent super coach wise than he has been. You know, we sort of seen him as a bit of a rocks and diamonds and you had to hold your breath um, and wait for his stats to come, which to a certain degree still applies to him. But I think there's an inevitability about every time he plays that he's going to strip team short because of that long ball from Cook and he gets outside and he either scores a try himself or has a try assist. So uh, South Sydney are a side that I'm pretty high on. Their their list is, is fairly deep, particularly in the outside backs. And um, they're, if anything, they're probably missing a couple of marquee forwards, although they get Jai Arrow. Uh, so I expect them to go pretty well. Um, but, you know... If Reynolds or Cody Walker gets hurt, I mean, Marshall's a really smart buy for them because he gives them depth in those halves as well. So, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't start with Cody Walker. I wouldn't start with uh, Adam Reynolds. But uh, I'm interested in Campbell Graham, really interested in Campbell Graham, but it's mm. a big premium to pay. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm even interested in Latrell a little bit. I'm not sure if I'd, I'd start with him because he's coming off a pretty serious injury, but I'm very interested to see how he goes. Yeah, I think the issue with Latrell is obviously he uh, not a not a noted strong starter to the season. Oftentimes, it takes a little bit of time to find his feet, even more so now. We know he had a bit of a disrupted preseason in 2020, then COVID hit, which made things even harder, going into a new position at fullback. Um, but I'd just like – I think it'll take him a little bit of time, but he's only going to get better in that fullback position. Before his season-ending injury last year, he was really starting to find his feet there and scoring well. Um, but, yeah, really close watching preseason trials as well. Uh, Desi, Cody Walker, Adam Reynolds, either of them for you? No, I tend to agree with Walsh on this one. I think I, I think that Cody did prove last season that he is a good as good as an attacking player as Monster. Um, he's obviously his, – his scoring range is about 20 to 200. Whereas Munster's is probably fifty to one sixty, one seventy. So I think I just think Munster's the better overall player, um, the safer asset. So I'll probably be death riding Cody again this season. Yeah, I when Walsh spoke earlier about uh not playing with your heart too much and I've obviously got a I've always had a soft spot for Cody Walker. I just love the way he plays footy. But last year, particularly when the t- Latrell got injured, um finally, finally, Wayne Bennett and all of his past coaches, Wayne Bennett started using Cody on both sides of the ruck, not containing into that left field. He played like a genuine um, old-school 5'8", who just roamed both sides of the field. But what he does more than any other 5'8 in the game, he, that sweep line he plays out the back of, say, the back rower or the centre or whoever, um, he does it as good as anyone in the game. It, it blows my mind. Not a lot of 5'8s to that. That's normally reserved for the fullback, but when the Rabbitohs had sort of the trail at fullback and even uh, Corey Allen in the back end of the year, they're probably not uh, as on-ball guys as a lot of other ball-playing fullbacks in the NRL. So Cody Walker was playing that role and he got so many tries since just tipping onto the centre or winger or dummy and going himself when they had a big overlap. So um, obviously that's I'm a little bit biased towards Cody, but I'm finding it really hard not to put him in my side because I'm with you, Wells. I think the Bunnies look really, really good this year, and I think Cody can again be the beneficiary, uh, although I wish he was that 50K cheaper would make it a little bit nicer. Um, moving on to the forwards, guys, and Damian Cook at 621K, average 70 last season. Uh, Des, I'll start with you. You had a bit of a chat about the hookers before. Will Is Cookie looking like being in your round one team? 
I mean, I said a second ago, I've got zero South Sydney players, but Cook is probably the only one that I is a massive player of interest for me. Um, I could change my my mind before that round one game, but um, yeah, it, it obviously just depends, like you said earlier, on whether Harry Grant gets that hooker role for the Storm. But yeah, I'm, I'm still yeah, I'm almost tempted to start with both of them if if that happens, and just set and forget the hooker position. Yeah, what about you, Wiles? Yeah, I think I find Damian Cook to be one of the most frustrating players in Supercoach. And the reason why is I feel like he never really fully plays to his potential. So there's a lot of times when he could run, but he takes off and then looks to link up. And because he's so quick initially, like he's just that electric at a dummy half, by the time he looks to link up, it takes one or two seconds, unless it's Cody Walker who pushes up with him. Mm. the other player to get there. And this happens consistently and you're just like, mate, put your head down and run. Like, you know, you, you probably power through because, you know, speed's power. If he gets in between two blokes, he probably powers through and makes a line break. But he tends to only do that towards the back half of the year. I'd love to see Bennett open him up, but I don't think he will. I think the instructions to him are to manage your way through the year and then run towards the end of the year. One of the other frustrating things about Cook is, Whenever he does actually run and get tackled, he always seems to get up all gimpy and, you know, like he's got a little, he's got a, you know, and you're always worried. Like I'm talking 10 minutes into the game, 20 minutes into the game, you're thinking, oh, you know, he could be gone for the game. That that happens cons- that consistently when you watch him. He's a very hard player to have, but then he's a hard player to go without. So long story short, I'm probably going to have him, but he's... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you you boys have the same frustration with it, but he is a player yeah. that frustrates me a lot. Yeah. I um, I think I'm probably going to start with Cook at this stage just because I love the ceiling on him. Uh, but, mate, you're right. The, the worry with him is it, you nailed it on the head that it just looks like he gets managed through the season with his running game. The only thing I will say is that last year uh, there was a lot of focus. He came out and said preseason – I'm focusing on my game management. I'm not going. I'm going to let my running take a back seat. I'll bring it in towards the back end of the year when we really need to be winning game and, and firing for finals, which he did. Um, this year, I'm going to keep an eye out for any preseason on word on what Cookie's tactic is to start the year. But last year there was uh, that particular focus. So whether or not that happens again this year, I don't know. Uh, but we have seen it happen in the last couple of years. And, and when you're paying six twenty k for a hooker who's probably not playing to their strength. It is a concern. Um, but, I mean, we know he can go big, so I do like Cookie a fair bit. Um, Cam Murray, uh, another bloke I've got a bit of a man crush on, probably not the only one there. Des, 600K, average 67 last year. Will he – well, I mean, he's not going to be in your team, um, but do you, does he interest you at all? Yeah, of course he does. I mean, he's just a bit too expensive for mine to start this year, even though he is starting at lock most likely. So – in saying that, he's going to be severely under-owned, I think, and he'll be a prominent trade-in for super coaches at some stage in the season as it progresses. So I expect it'll all just come down to timing of when to bring him in, not if to bring him in. So especially over that sort of state of origin period where he sort of we know that he historically underperforms. But yeah, I'll be looking to watch his combination with Jai Arrow, especially because they both hit the line hard and offload, spin spin out of tackles. If those two can link up, they could become both must-haves at some stage mm. throughout the season. 
Yeah, very interesting. And we did just get word the last couple of days, Wayne Bennett came out and said that Cam Murray will be starting lock this year. Uh, I thought that maybe he would have started on the edge. The Rabbitohs are a better team with Cam Murray at lock. That is, we saw that last year. Um, but with Jai Arrow now there, they've got Tommy Burgess and Totola up front. I was going to wonder how they're all going to fit him in. Jai Arrow, they came out and said that he had a hamstring injury during the preseason. He's back to full training now. Um, should be right for round one, but it looks as though they're probably going to ease Jai Arrow in. Uh, whether he starts or whether he starts come round three, he'll start eventually. Whether that's at lock or at prop, I'm not sure, but I really don't know how they're going to go about it. Um, but the word is that Murray will be at lock. On that news, Walls, does he interest you? Oh, 100%. And he's probably the only South forward I'm interested in. As cheap as Jai Arrow comes, he just comes with a lot of injury baggage and that type of thing. And I think you'd want to see him play two or three weeks, decent minutes, without going down with an injury type of thing. He's he, he's very he's very injury prone or he can get a HIA and things like that. He plays just the way he plays the game and um, it's, it's a little bit frustrating. But um, I think once he finds his way in the South Sydney system and he's allowed, given a, um, a licence to offload, then they're going to work in really well in the middle together. But I think, yeah, Cam Murray, if he's getting 60 to 70 minutes, then... Yeah, he's got to be a consideration, particularly the way Cook gets out. And he does, he's another player. Him and Cody Walker are the two players that push up really well off Cook. Yeah, I was a, a Murray owner all of last year, watched him extremely closely. He only scored three tries. I reckon he was half an inch away from having about another 10 tries to his name. Yeah, like, definitely. So definitely. close. And as I said, he, he averaged yeah sixty seven point seven last year. I think he can go and up that to seventy five this year. I really do. I think that highly of him as a footballer, particularly when he's playing in the middle. Uh, and interesting to note, I remember last year getting saying he was close to a must have when he looked like getting those eighty minutes on the edge. His base for the year uh, was fifty two per game based on sixty seven minutes. When he did play 80 minutes, his base was only 48. So it actually dropped off. So he's one of them guys who uh, probably looks after himself a little bit when he knows he has to go the distance. So if he is only playing 60 to 65 minutes, not a huge drama for Cam Murray. Obviously, less chance to get them attacking stats. Um, But yeah, I think Cam Murray, I'm going to be looking very close to having him for round one. And just a quick note on Jai Arrow. I think you'd be mad to start with him to begin the year, although he's tempting at 474K. He's that price for a reason because he never gets full seasons together of big minutes because of these injury risks. Um, just quickly, the last three seasons, he's played 18, 17 and 21 games for about 55 minutes per game every season. Last year, he scored at one point per minute. 2019, he scored at one point one point per minute, and the year before, 1.17 per minute. So that's gone down dramatically every year. On top of that, 2020, 15 offloads, 2019, 24 offloads, 2018, 37 offloads. So whilst, I mean, his work, his output's going down and his offloads have dropped off significantly. So, I mean, maybe that's because of the injuries or what, but, uh, mate, you'd be, you'd be brave to go near Arrow even if he does get a starting spot. Yeah, some of it was game style, you know, um, Oh, I just can't think of the 
Gold Coast coach's name now, but um, when he came in, Holbrook, mate. Yeah, sorry, Holbrook. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been a big off season, boys. I haven't sort of been focused. Yeah, on that's all right, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, like when Holbrook came in, he did a really good job, but he sort of put Arrow into a pigeonhole, which totally understand from a coach's point of view. He was leaving the next year, um, which brings me to another point is that's that's another thing you have to watch out for, Cam McInnes. I, I know you're high on Cam McInnes, both of you boys, but the fact that he's leaving the next year um, can really affect the way a coach plays that player. So and I think that happened with Arrow. I think he could come out, if he's given a licence to offload, it'll take him a while to work mm-hmm. into the season. So he's not a player that I'd be looking to start with, but I'll be keeping a close eye on him. But, yeah, segueing a little bit, Cam McInnes, you're going to have to um, be very wary of starting with him because the fact that he signed four years at Cronulla, it seems it it tends to leave a coach like Griffin who has been brought in to take the club forward and been given a licence for a number of years. Like what's, you know, like apart from getting a few wins and having his best players on the field, there might not be that much advantage in him playing McInnes 80 minutes, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. We, we see it time and time again with these guys who sign with other clubs and and that we see their minutes reduce. And, and mate, McInnes is a, a prime candidate for that this year. The last thing I want to touch on at South Sydney before we move on, um, it's a big one, but we don't have a lot of information on it at this stage. Based on Cam Murray playing lock, Jairo off the bench slash front row, there is a left back row, edge back row spot available um, up for grabs. It's going to be fought out by the looks of by Keon Kolomatungi. Um, uh, what's his face? Hame Sele is a smaller chance, but I currently don't have him in my top 17. Jed Cartwright played a handful of games last year and is a definite candidate. He's 203K. Kolomatungi is just over 300K. Um, we could talk about them all now, but we're running out of time, so we won't. But when we get more information throughout the preseason of who looks like getting that left edge back row spot, we'll do an analysis piece, an article on it, or or talk about it in a later podcast and cover that. Um, but anyway, that is all for our our first NRL podcast of the season. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, just a couple of things to wrap it up. We've got a forum on the website, the scplaybook.com.au, uh, to get all the to get people talking, chatting supercoach. That's what we want to do. All our contributors are going to be um, chiming in there and writing some replies and getting some advice, all that sort of stuff. Um, so do us a favour and jump on there and get that fired up because I'd love to see that chat happening on the site. Um, we will start taking the the listener questions from next week, so keep an eye out for the social post to get your questions in there. Hit us up on our socials at SC Playbook one on Twitter, Facey and Instagram uh, with any content ideas you've got, podcast topic, anything you want to know about this season. But anyway, thank you for listening, guys. Desi, thanks for your, your first hit out of the year. Yeah, pleasure to be back, boys. Uh, keen for a big uh, big hit back this season in rank. I'm back in the end, mate. Cheers, Walsh. Same again, mate. Yeah, thanks, boys. A bit rusty, blew out the cobwebs, but I'll be better for the run, eh? Mate, we all will. First up, always a bit dusty, but we'll be fired up next week. All right, thanks for tuning in, guys. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.